It's Tuesday the 9th of March. Welcome to our Afternoon Sport Deep Dive. I'm Tim Gilbert and Shane Lee. What a show we've got today. When you were a boy playing cricket in Oak Flats, you, you dreamt of being Ian Botham. And today he is on Afternoon Sport. Yeah, how exciting, mate. He was an absolute legend of the game. You know, the, the man scored 5,200 uh, runs at 33 and took 383 test wickets. Absolute legend, mate. And I uh, I dreamed, even though he was a POM, I dreamed of being all rounder like Ian Botham. Yeah, stick around for Ian Botham. Also on the show today, Rob Gilbert takes a look at the world game. Okay, let's get cracking. Ian Botham, do you still remember Warrigal Oak Flats, Shane, when you were dreaming of being Ian Botham, the swashbuckling, amazing cricketer from England? I do, mate. I remember you used to use the big Duncan Fernley, and I, the first cricket bat I ever received was a, um, I think it was a Grey Nickel Scoop. So, yeah, and you, uh, we had a long driveway down there at Oak Flats, and um, Brett would steam in from the, almost from the road, and my poor younger brother Grant had, had to field at short uh, mid-wicket. So he had a, he retired at nineteen. He had a gut full of fielding, I think. But um, yeah, really good memories, mate. Growing up and uh, emulating guys like Ian Botham in the backyard. Well, of course, we have the opportunity for someone to win uh, that sign, that brilliant sign, cricket bat. Mm. I had a look at it yesterday from uh, Chris Gale, the Spartan bat. Because I remember getting a little Slazenger size four. I bought it from Brother Richard from twenty bucks. That's the way you used to do it at Patrician Brothers Fairfield. I didn't really know how to use it, and I never quite learnt. But um, do you remember when you got that brand new bat? Yeah, I do. It's a big thing as a kid, I think. Um, and yeah, it, it was the Grey Nickel single scoop, and and I was really nervous to use it. I wanted, I had to knock it in first, like in the old days with the, the bats these days. The Spartan bats, you pick them up and you use them straight away. But back then, you used to have to knock the bat in slowly and, and oil it, and um, and make sure you kept it uh, just probably either under your pillow or next to your bed, so you could use it first thing in the morning. It was it was good fun. Yeah, well, the way to do it, guys, uh, as you're listening in. Go and do a review on Apple of our podcast. Obviously say that we're wonderful and then take a screenshot of it and tag us in on Twitter and who knows, you could have that wonderful sign bat from the best T20 player in the mm-hmm. world. What about Cameron Green? This guy has just gone boom, crash, opera, strength to strength. He is a, uh, a run machine at the moment, isn't he? Um, Cameron Green, as Western Australia versus Queensland, Cameron Green scored 251. Now, that's off the back of um, back-to-back hundreds and other Shield games. He is on fire. He's, uh, he's, he's scoring plenty of runs. As we said, once he starts taking a few wickets here and there, he's going to be potentially the best all-rounder in the world. Really good signs for this young, prodigious talent. And and just finally, before we get cracking into the show today, what about the unveiling of the Wink statue with Hugh Bowman on board? Won 33 races, this extraordinary mare, and it looks fantastic there at Rose Hill Gardens. It is amazing whether you love horse racing or you don't, fantastic horses like Winks, uh, they lift the spirits. They lift the spirits of those that are having a tough day. And, and she was just extraordinary. I think a lot of people still remember where they were when she missed the start or, uh, you know, won her four Cox plates. Yeah, you're 100% right, Timmy. And you don't really have to be in a racing to remember a horse like Winks. And uh, I was lucky enough to see her run a couple of times. And But yeah, it's a great statue out there at Rose Hill. And um, it will be hard to beat or surpass the feats of Winks. And, um, but yeah, wonderful uh, place in history there for a, for a great horse. Yeah, I, I still remember a wonderful story because we've got the show Racing Dreams that we do on Sky News. And there was a lady, she was virtually crippled, you know, by uh, multiple sclerosis. But every time Winks raced, it just 
rose her from where she was. And those stories, um, they happen in that sport. So congratulations. And, uh, yeah, Winks there with Huey Bowman doing She's Apples on top will be there for all those that head to Rose Hill Gardens. This is Afternoon Sport. Coming up on Afternoon Sport, we'll look at the world game. Of course, with Rob Gilbert, there's plenty happening overseas and back home. Time to look at the world game and uh, Manchester City, well, this enormous run that they've had has come to an end, Rob Gilbert, and it's come uh, against their arch rivals. Yeah, it sure has, Timmy. G'day, Shane. Um, 21 games in all competitions, mm. not just unbeaten, but 21-game winning streak. Uh, quite incredible that uh, that Manchester City managed to put that sort of a streak together in the, the modern era across uh, the various competitions that they compete in from the, obviously, Premier League, the the, um, the FA Cup, the, the, the League Cup and uh, the Champions League as well. So uh, to, to eventually see it come to an end uh, was uh, obviously inevitable. But the fact that it happened uh, against their arch rivals, uh, Manchester United uh, would have stuck in their craw just a little bit. Mm. But uh, it, it does keep Manchester United just in, in some sort of range with about nine games to go, 65 points City, 54 United. So, uh, look, they didn't need a serious speed wobble to uh, fall over from there, but uh, it just keeps things interesting. Now, uh, let's look at Liverpool. Like Klopp is a world-renowned coach. He's, he's under a bit of serious pressure here, isn't he? Yeah, look, I don't necessarily subscribe to that, Shane. I know right. there are some sections of the media that, that, have, that have said that he's under pressure. But, look, let's look at the last three seasons that he's had prior to this. He's, won, he's broken a 40-year drought to win the uh, the, the Premier League. Uh, he's won the Champions League and taken the, the same team to a Champions League final. They've been absolutely slaughtered with injury from Alisson and yeah. goals to Virgil van Dijk, uh, who's been their rocking defence. And, uh, yeah, look... Uh, Lots of other clubs, uh, Leicester City are sitting in third spot and they've had a, a shocking run of injuries without the bank balance that uh, that Liverpool have and uh, and they're still um, getting by. But uh, yeah, look, Jurgen Klopp is a guy who will ultimately like, uh, you know, um, you know Bill Paisley and Bob Shankly, two legends at uh, Anfield who have statues erected out the forecourt of the, the great ground. There will be eventually a Jurgen Klopp statue. And uh, I, I just think that this is one of those seasons where you have to write it off. Um, the, the biggest uh, problem that Liverpool have if they can't get things together and they don't somehow manage to put together a run in the Champions League is that uh, that they won't play European football. But maybe a rest uh, is a good mm. thing if, if they had it. Not that the uh, owners of the club, the Fairway Sports Group in uh, Boston would be agreeing with that. No, no, no. But, but not everyone subscribes to your your view, Rob. Like some people have him under pressure. And I mean, sport is, is sport is like that sometimes. Yeah, they do. But I don't subscribe to that view. And, uh, and I, I've um, just given you an example of, uh, you know, uh, the, the reasons why I, I don't think that serious people at Liverpool would be questioning his tenure because uh, there are so many reasons for the current situation. Now, look, there are plenty of arguments, and you know, I use one of them that Leicester City has had an equally bad run of, of injuries, and, and uh, Brendan Rodgers has got them, you know, uh, winning games. So, look, uh, you know, one of us is going to be right, that's for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> well, let, well, let, well, let's go to something you, you can't deny: um, Melbourne City, or sorry, Melbourne Victory, I should say. Um, they're imploding, aren't they? Well, that's absolutely one thing we can all agree upon, yeah. there, Shane. It's mm. a, an absolute disaster. Um, the 
players um, were training at, uh, at Gosh's Paddock um, yesterday afternoon and a group of 25 fans turned up with a banner carrying uh, a message that read, the line has been crossed. Um, wow. Look, they're at rock bottom. Um, they finished second last last year. Their trajectory is that they will finish last th- this year, short of a resurgence that nobody can see coming. You've got to feel for Grant Brebner. He, he, you know, the Scotsman, um, at the back end of his mm. career, he came to Australia, started a, a new life here, played 160 games for the victory through a lot of their golden period. And mm. you know, he originally put his hand up and said that um, that he wasn't ready to to coach the club, but uh, Anthony DiPietro, the chairman, thought otherwise, and uh, they put him in place off the back of Marco Kurtzen and Carlos Salvatore's uh, ill-fated uh, attempts to replace uh, uh, Kevin Musket as, as the the bloke who runs the show there, but um, for, for whatever reason, they're, they're, um, you know, you can't just claim injuries as an issue at Victory. It's uh, it's it's the level of energy, the organisation on the field, the capacity to strike back when their backs are against the wall, and to lose mm-hmm. a derby, the worst ever result in the history of the club against uh, your crosstown rivals, Melbourne City, who were uh, uh, rebuilding their own season after a rough start, having lost last season's grand final, is uh, just adding insult to injury. So mm-hmm. it's it's a terrible time at the victory. Richard Wilson, the foundation director, I know we talked about him in the last couple of weeks. Um, I've spoken to him on my own football podcast, Box to Box, and, uh, and Richard uh, is selling his 16% stake uh, because well. uh, he just doesn't see eye to eye with uh, uh, his fellow board members anymore. So it's it, there's just nothing good that's happening at victory right now on a positive front there's a regional positive front i really enjoyed watching that game from ballarat obviously i'm a wanderers man so i enjoyed the win but uh so that was really good to see that game in ballarat and and the central coast mariners this ragtag bunch that uh, is leading the competition their budgets aren't high um so yeah some there are some really uh nice stories some green sprouts in the a-league Oh, yeah. Look, I've long been a person who subscribes to the idea that we should take our uh, leading competitions to regional areas. And uh, and that match um, on Sunday evening uh, where the Wanderers, uh, you know, the Western Derby, it's not a real derby because they're obviously in different states, but the, you know, Western Sydney Wanderers versus Western United is is a building rivalry in its own right. Uh, uh, so to be out there in Ballarat, one of the most beautiful regional centres in Australia, the, uh, the Mars Stadium where there's, uh, you know, AFL game played uh, you know it's uh, it's it's not the SCG it's not uh, the MCG it's not Bankwest Stadium but it's uh, a, a place that's got an atmosphere it's got a culture of sporting um, mm. heritage across a number of different sports in that area and and the people of the regional areas you know when the NRL goes to Mudgee for example sake and they take the AFL up to North Queensland you know th- th- they just come out in their droves it's a big event so yeah look I love that and you talk about the Mariners under Alan Stajic, um, you know, he's a, a man for that club in its current period, isn't he? I mean, he was on his knees after the Matilda's sacking. The Mariners just couldn't take a trick, a couple of wooden spoons in a row. But gradually, um, you know, with uh, you know, leaders like Matt Simon still at the club, Balakwal, uh, who, you know, ironically, we were talking about the victory. They had a month to look at that guy banging in goals for fun in the, the Golden Valley League, and they, they, they couldn't see his talent. And now he's a key player. Um, helping the Mariners um, recreate this fairy tale season. 
Timmy, it's, it's a really good point you make, Tim, that um, you know, going to regional areas like, like Ballarat, and I know in cricket, um, you know, more than 50% of the Australian and New South Wales cricket teams over the years are made up by country people. And I know the people in these country towns really, really enjoy it. So it's a really good point you make, Tim. Yeah, and I think, I think to, to be honest, after the difficult year we've had, you know, mm. and then we, you do pile on the top of that uh, droughts and, and fires and everything else, it's really important that we uh, uh, get people and, and get big games, get Broadway acts to to regional areas. Now, Rob, just to, just in closing, um, there must be such an anticipation in Melbourne to get to the AFL. We've seen some of the pre-season games now with, with decent crowds. We've got this Richmond-Carlton blockbuster, which is uh, the historic start to the season. At this point, uh, looking at a 50% crowd, which will be 50,000 people, but the, there must be a, a definite salivation in uh, the ranks of Melbourne footy fans. Oh, yeah, 100%. I mean, after uh, the season that we all went through, the year that we all went through last year, where, and particularly in Melbourne, where the, um, the the entire competition was pretty much post-COVID or post the, um, you know, the early stages of COVID played uh, interstate and uh, and fans kept their memberships up. Um, the clubs uh, have pretty much universally praised the fans for not, uh, you know, where, the, where possible. I mean, obviously some people needed uh, to have their memberships refunded but most people left their money in the club and, in, and accepted it as a donation to to something that um, that is uh, you know a, 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 such a fundamental part of their lives so so to be able to go back to the to games and and watch uh, football matches in in the, the home of well I know there'd be arguments from Adelaide and uh, WA and Tassie about the home but uh, you know it is the the seminal home of football AFL football in this country um, it's it's going to be huge next week. Obviously, the NRL kicks off this week in Melbourne with the Storm um, taking on the Rabbitohs on Thursday night. But uh, next Thursday night, you'll have 50,000 uh, across uh, the railway tracks at the MCG. Mm-hmm. And uh, guys, I reckon you might hear that roar from Sydney. It's uh, it's going to be a uh, sight to behold to finally see fans, uh, footy fans. But it's not obviously the first match played at the MCG because I was there on Boxing Day watching, uh, watching the cricket. So um, mm-hmm. yeah, but 40... Great to be back. Rob, as always, mate, all things football, you're an absolute doyen, so thanks very much, mate, and we'll chat soon. Well done, buddy. Hey, Rob, how does that, how does that Richmond song go again? <laughs> the, 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 well, well it's, uh, it's one of the great sporting songs of, uh, of any sport, um, which, I, you know, it sort of sticks in my core to sing it as a Collingwood person, but, yeah, uh, but bit, you know, on. it goes, Come on. Oh, we're from Tiger Land. <laughs> a fighting fury, we're from Tiger Land. <laughs> in any weather, you will see us with a grin. We're risking head and skin. If we're behind, then never mind. We'll fight and fight and win. And I could go on, but I can't. Yeah, you could. Okay, well, we'll let the real song come up now. Thanks, Thanks Rob. Rob. <laughs> yeah, of course. Thanks, mate. Take care, buddy. Coming up on Afternoon Sport, one of the greatest cricketers of all time, Sir Ian Botham. Stump to Stump is Australia's newest and most interactive cricket platform for all cricket fans, players and clubs to share stories, match results, memories and experiences. Stumptostump.com Well, a real treat for afternoon sport. Uh, Sir Ian Botham from the United Kingdom, how are you? 
I'm good. Jimmy, how are you? Really good. Beefy, th- thanks for doing this for us, mate. Um, I think you know, I've told you before, you were my, even though you were from England, mate, you were my hero growing up, being an all-rounder, so it's lovely to have you on the show. But let's let's start with the, the series um, in India. Um, England started off really well, but seemed to capitulate pretty badly towards the end of the series. Well, um, I sat at home and I watched that first test. Mm. And uh, they played uh, positively. There was uh, selection. Selection was good. Uh, they bowled and fielded well. And then, of course, they win that game. And then they make about six changes yeah. uh, for the next game. And really, that's when the wheels came off. And mm. um, you know, there's guys going home uh, because you know, look at Moanelli. He comes all the way over. He has to he get comes arrives with COVID. Has to isolate for two weeks. He then comes and plays the first test and he goes on. Mm. I mean, what is this all about? Uh, don't tell me fatigue because that's just bull. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm afraid I just don't buy into that at all. Um, if we just do five months tours, um, yeah. you know, you just, you, you, it's the best days of your life. You know, and look at all these. I mean, how many people do you guys know that would cut off their right arm to play mm. for their country? Oh, absolutely. I, I I would have cut off my right arm to play in the A's team. I, I, I couldn't believe it. Why would, what would be the mentality for that, do you think? I have no idea. It, I think, is there, are there too many people interfering? Uh, are the medical people having too much of a say? Uh, at the end of the day, you don't want to be left out. If you're playing well and you're winning games, you want to play. Who doesn't? You know, when you're getting your drudged all around the ground and you know like the West Indies in the 80s and you're lucky if it went into the third day or mm. fourth day and that's when it's that's when it gets testing but when you're winning and uh, you know you, yeah. these guys are well rewarded nowadays it's not to get that very well rewarded mm. um so you know if you want the pay you know you know get out there and do it that's, I, just don't, I don't get it. Anyway. The, the, the upcoming Ashes series, Beefy, um, I'll read one of your quotes. You said, to win in Australia, um, for me, has to be the ultimate success um, because the Aussies live to play sport. And uh, so the upcoming Ashes series out here is a big one, isn't it? Mate, it's um, it's massive. Um, whether they've got one eye on that, I don't know. Um, you know. They'll probably be looking after Jimmy. They'll want him to be uh, with that new ball in Australia. Um, they'll probably want Broad, and then they've got some good backup stuff. Kids coming through. Um, that Mark Wood will probably come over for this Test series. He's he's up there with pay, up there with the quickest. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I, I think whether there's a little bit of that going on, uh, we'll make sure that we have our best team in Oz. Uh, the nice thing is, though, it now looks, because of the injections and because of the uh, way that the uh, COVID's now, and it's been a tough, hard time. And it, I wouldn't wish on any government to have to you know, come into power and bang, you get hit with this. You know, it's over £2 trillion in debt because of you know, mm-hmm. sur- furloughs and every industry, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, so it's been a really testing time, but the countries in general have done pretty well um, to get through it. Uh, it's our third lockdown, um, but this one uh, we've got another well till the end of the month, 29th, and then we can start playing golf. Yes, uh, nice. I can go fishing, <laughs> and uh, I can do all the things that uh, I love doing. And hopefully, uh, I'll be able to get down to Aussie. Um, I would like to think by the early November. 
And I, and I think if it goes that way, because I know it's like a second home to you, of course, uh, an arch rival on the cricket field, but um, this place is, is somewhere you feel very, very comfortable. It will be almost like that sort of party won't it be after a very very difficult time hopefully it can be that it can be an enormous celebration where the Barmy army comes and we can have well uh, well represented grounds and and it will be just such a a fantastic series look you know there's special thing in australia the whole world watches that uh, the Ashes. Uh, as I said, you're quite right, Shane, I've always said that, you know, it's all very well beaten, the Aussies, when we're in England at home. Mm. But the ultimate is to get over there into Australia and win that series uh, against Australia on their own soil. But that's the same for the Australian boys. The Aussie boys will be just exactly the same, want to win uh, over there in Pommy land and, you know, we want to come down and win the, beat the convicts. You know, so, yeah, it's all good fun, all good banter. But, um, and you do battle on the field. It's played the right way, hard and tough on the field. I don't think they socialise the teams anything like they used to. I think we definitely um, probably played in the more sociable and um, we made friends for life as well. Um, whereas nowadays, there's not that sort of interaction between the two teams. Maybe a bit at the end of a series or at the end of a test. But you know, we used to come off the field at 35, 40 degrees you come off the field and you get them stripping off the wet gear and then walk the Aussie boys you know, with uh, a few cold ones and you'd sit down and, you know, you'd have a chat. We didn't need match referees in those days because we refereed ourselves. Yeah. Mm. You know, if you had a problem, you just had a chat in the dressing room and it was all done. Beefy, um, now obviously with COVID, you're not doing any walks at the moment, but um, where are you up to now? You, you've raised in excess of £21 million, I believe. It's probably a lot more than that now um, for your blood cancer charity. Um, I'm still doing the, the charity work. Uh, the foundation's still running. It's been very tough, but not just for us, but for all charities. Sure. You know, people were sitting on their hands and why wouldn't they be? Uh, no one knew how long this was going to go on for. It's gone on for probably a lot longer than most people anticipated. Um, but at the end of the day, um, yeah, we've come through it and make the most of it. I think, yeah, it will be. I think you're right, Timmy. There'll probably be a big party at the end of it. And we'll all go down with COVID again. But, uh, <laughs> but no, I must admit, having the injection seriously mate, gives you a really good feeling. I had COVID anyway, uh, so I had right. a certain amount of immunity. But uh, then to get the injection, I've had the first one, I've got the second one in April. And then hopefully... Mm. I can come down because I've got. I'm, I'm going to run out of wine if I'm not down there by November for the uh, for the business. So I got to get down and do that, and then I've got to go on to New Zealand. I've got to get uh, catch up with Argentina, the Malvics. There's so much to do, and uh, but um, hopefully we can all get back to some form of normality yeah. sooner than later. How how is the wine business going? Obviously, it's been difficult because you can't, no one's been able to travel. But I remember one of the last times I spent with you was we did a number of functions in and around the launch of both the wines. Yeah, the wines have done really well. Yeah, we're in our third year now. Um, we've uh, in fourteen countries um, around the world, and that looking to expand all the time. Um, yeah, it's going really, really well. I have to be honest. And uh, the one good thing about the pandemic is that people uh, buy online and they have it delivered to the yeah. door and sales went up and have stayed up there at about 40% above normal. So uh, from that side, it's been very good. Um, but having said that, I think we'd all like to be able to sit on the lawn together out there on a summer's day and have a glass of wine and 
not have to be three you know, three yards apart or whatever the ruling will be. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah. Um, Beefy, one quick question. What are your thoughts on, on T20 cricket? Do you, are you a fan? Uh, I think T20 has a place. I think it's a good way to bring yep. kids in. Uh, um, but it's not the be-all and end-all. Mm. Um, I, I think that, um, for me, test cricket is what it's all about. It's called test cricket for a very good reason, uh, and that is that it's a, it does test you in every uh, aspect of the game, mentally, physically, uh, demanding. Um, you can lose. You, know, you, can, you can have a pretty dodgy session, uh, but you can still stay in the game. Mm. And... Uh, I, I think it's called test cricket because it is the test, the ultimate test. And if we ever lose test cricket, then I think we lose cricket as we know it. So uh, that would be a very sad day. So uh, I think the um, the emphasis has always got to be test cricket. And any, also, the best players play for test cricket. Mm. Um, T20, it's great. You know, there's guys like Brendan McCullum who goes you know, and has a bit of fun now. But you know, he did the hard graft um, in the test arena. Uh, there's a lot of guys who are getting uh, a very healthy living uh, by just playing uh, T20, continuous circle around the world, or circuit, I should say, around the world. Mm. So, um, yeah, it's good. It makes kids in, it gets kids interested, uh, but we've just got to make sure that we keep it in a separate box. You know, it's not, you mustn't take over. I had a wonderful opportunity a number of years ago to work a couple of months with you in India and we were looking at the, the India-England series and I could see how much of a sense of a humour you had back then. You love a good laugh. I can't believe it's 45 years since 1986. 45 years since that amazing series win. And when they let that little pig go at the Gabba and you could see the spirit of fun and laughter in that. Eddie Hemmings, not so much. Mate, that's still one of the funniest things I've ever seen. <laughs> Just imagine, they, how, they, how do they get it in past the security, first and foremost? Poor old pig had been given too much of the sleeping uh, serum and uh, knocked it out. Um, it was meant to actually run onto the pitch at uh, lunchtime, but uh, they ended up, uh, they got it round and revived it by tea time. And the poor little bugger came out and it was hilarious. It had both of them down one side, it had Hemmings the other side, and it had Miller um, in the nether region. But uh, I have to say, um, it, it, that was fantastic. I, I actually never got a chance to meet the guys. And I actually said I'd love to have met them just to see you know, their story. Uh, with it, but uh, that never happened. So maybe, maybe when we get back to the Brisbane for the first test this year, we might find <laughs> yeah. probably, probably leading leading uh, surgeons or whatever. Yeah. And and what about 1981? If we go back to to that remarkable series, uh, extraordinary series, um, and uh, you, everyone knew who you were before then, but 1981 uh, really put you on the map as uh, a young cricketing superstar. Yeah, look, you know, 81 was fantastic. changed my life, 81, in many ways. Um, it's probably the most asked question I've ever had, mm. uh, talk about the 81. But it was a remarkable series. Um, there was highs and lows uh, for both teams. Uh, for Personally, there was highs and lows. Captaincy, uh, giving that away. On, with hindsight, probably... 24 was a bit too young to get it uh, and with the workload I had in those days. But, you know, you don't say no, do you, when you get off of the captaincy. So, um, but, yeah, it changed my life. Um, thoroughly uh, 
you know, it was a fantastic series to play in because it could have gone any other way, to be honest. And, um, you know, Border came to the front. He became, uh, well, he, he did what we all knew he could do, and that was he proved that he was a world-class performer. I always, always remember his innings at Old Trafford. I smashed his hand in the first innings, mm-hmm. and he came out a couple of jabs and some painkillers down the neck, and uh, he got a hundred nod in about 350 balls trying to save the game for Australia. So, um, yeah, there are a lot of great memories about 81 and a lot of great friendships were forged there. Mike Whitney playing his first Test game, match mate. at Trafford. Uh, yeah. yeah, it was amazing. It was a great series. Beefy, speaking of um, of great mates, um, and my brother, unfortunately, was there when it happened um, with Dean Jones. It was, it was really sad news, wasn't it? Yeah, I was, I was horrified. I was actually driving... I was in Scotland and I was driving with uh, Kath. We were going to, uh, having a week away up in the Highlands. And uh, on our way up there, and I got a phone call from uh, Rocket, Rob Loder. And uh, Rocket rang me and he just said, mate, just, are you sitting down? I said, yeah, I'm driving. He said, well, pull over. And I pulled over in the lay-by and uh, he told me. Uh, I, I, I went numb, to be honest, because, mm. you know, I played with Dino over here at Somerset for uh, Durham. We played together. Um, uh, always got on very, very well. I used to find him quite uh, amusing. Um, and, uh, his, in his own way, he was a, he was a very generous man. Um, he used to raid his cellar um, regularly when we were in town. Uh, uh, but no, he was just a great, great mate. I spoke to Jane briefly uh, and, the, and the girls. Um, but no, I'll catch up with them when I get over uh, for sure. And go and say good day, and uh, probably uh, see if we find one of those uh, nice bottles of red still down there in the cellar, mm. and, and toast him because he, um, he he was a great friend, a really good friend, um, and he yeah he'd be sadly missed. Yeah. Um, he he just lived for cricket, yeah, and it was sad, and I don't think there's anything they could have done with it as it turned out. I know uh, you know Bing Bing made uh, an amazing effort. But to be honest with you, from what I can gather now, um, everyone thought it was a heart attack, but it wasn't, was it? So, no, it wasn't. Uh, no. So I don't think there was a lot that could be done, but uh, no, very sad. He was such a generous guy too, wasn't he? I still remember that 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 little time that he squeezed you and me into that little convertible, uh, going from from that function out. And he goes, "No, no, he had somewhere to go." But he goes, "No, no, I'll take you guys. Uh, come with me." And like that's the kind of guy he was. A lot of people didn't see that sense of spirit that he had. He was an amazing cricketer, but a really nice guy. God rest his soul. Well, he should play. You could argue uh, that he should probably play a lot more Test cricket, but it was at a time when. Uh, there was an abundance of talent in that middle order. Uh, so uh, he missed out perhaps on maybe 40 or 50 more tests. But having said that, um, I had to watch him play uh, for Durham and his enthusiasm for the game. He could have all come over and just had a good time, but not none of it. He got stuck in and the crowd loved him. The people up here loved him. So it was a big shock and the club went into mourning, to be honest, to everybody. Because he knew he, a lot of those guys he would have known uh, from all those years ago, there's still a few of them around. So, yeah, it was a very sad day. But if you quick prediction for the upcoming Ashes series in Australia, I know it's I know it's early, but all things going well. COVID sorted. Aussies going to win, or the Poms going to take the chocolates down here? 
Well, listen, you know, where's Pigeon at the moment? Because I'm sure he would say <laughs> South Australia. I have to point out to him there's only five tests. Which, yeah, I know. But, uh, <laughs> no, I think it'll be tight, actually. I think it'll be tight. Uh, I think that England need to settle uh, their, their lineup and sit, stick with it, the best players. Um, the bowlers, we're short in the spin department. That's the one area I think. But I don't think there's, you know, there's not that many great spinners in, in the, around in the world of cricket anyway at the moment. Mm. Not as there was, you know, probably ten years ago, fifteen years ago. But um, no, I think it'll be tight, and I think it will be down to the top five batsmen from each side. Whoever has the best performance there, I think that yeah. they'll tip it, tip, tip the scale. So. Yeah, I think it'll be tight. Uh, obviously, I think England will win. Uh, I wouldn't uh, say anything. you wouldn't expect me to say anything else. But uh, but um, no, I think it'll be tight. I really do think it's going to be a tight series. Um, yeah, who knows? It could be just one test in it. Well, good to see uh, news is getting brighter on the COVID front. And I think that that is a worldwide thing. The US, we're seeing numbers come down. Of course, the injection rate in, in the UK, the same. Uh, I do have to leave you with one question, and it wouldn't be a chat with you if I didn't ask. What was it like playing with Jeffrey Boycott? Um, different. <laughs> um, look, yeah. <laughs> Jay, I'll be honest with you, Jeffrey, I get on fine with Jeffrey. Um, yeah, he's just, uh, he, he was a one-off. Um, they certainly, they, they destroyed the mould when they produced him because uh, he, he's a one-off. But, um, yeah, there was a good side, to, very good side to Jeff. He was quietly attuned to things. Johnny Bairstow in the sad death of his father, Jeffrey paid for his schooling, et cetera, et cetera, and stuff like that. So, you know, he, he's a good man, Jeffrey, and, um, I, I get on fine with Jeffrey. He's always um, been good with me. Uh, he's different. I give him that. He is very different. But um, we kept us amused on many a tour. You know, the, he even managed to get some wine for us in Pakistan. So he went up my rates yeah. very quickly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that was good effort. You had, to, you, had to, you had to write out a, uh, um, a form, I remember, in Pakistan. You had to say that you were a functioning alcoholic at, at last time I was there. I had no problems filling that form. <laughs> it's been a real delight. Thanks so much for joining us. We, we look forward to seeing you down under um, in a few months' time. All right, Simi. I'll catch up with you guys for sure, Shani. And, uh, mate, uh, you guys to all the guys down there. Cheers, guys. That's it for Afternoon Sport today. We'll be with you Monday to Friday every week. Hit subscribe on your podcast app so you don't miss it. A big thank you today goes out to Sir Ian Botham and to Rob Gilbert. Thank you also to our wonderful sponsors, Shane. www.spartansportshq.com And don't forget, go to Apple. Give us your review of our podcast. Take a screenshot. Tag us in on Twitter. And who knows, you may be the winner of a signed Spartan Chris Gale cricket bat. Also, a big thank you to our wonderful producer, Dan McHugh. We'll see you tomorrow. We'll see you then, guys. Take care.